Hello, everybody. How's your tank of energy running? Running pretty low? I was pretty surprised this morning how much energy Anthony had up here. He was passionate about the material. It had to be that, because I, uh, I know he spent some energy this week getting ready for VBS, and, uh, and I, I'm a little bit tired. So if I fall asleep on myself, somebody wake me up. But uh, what a great day. Uh, I kind of laughed uh, with Monica last night. I said, you know, um, in, in ministry I get made fun of a lot about having preacher kids, PK kids. And, um, and yesterday, the members' kids, the members' kids were loaded for bear. They, uh, every one of your kids wanted to get me wet out there. And I thought, where does this stigma of preacher kids come from? Nobody's talking about the members' kids. But uh, I think it's because uh, they blame me partially and the other guy over there for uh, being the one that they got to sit still for so long or they get in trouble. And they probably associate us with that. And then uh, they, they got to hear you all grumble when you don't get to the restaurant as fast as you told somebody you're going to. And, and they said, I'm going to get him wet. But uh, we had a good day yesterday. And um, really, I really grew to appreciate um, what we've got going a lot more uh, just from that one day. Just, uh, it, it was a happy place to be yesterday. It really was. It was a happy place to be. Um, been mentioned several times, but I wanted to say I just, I just uh, am so happy to be a part of this congregation. Um, thrilled to see how how children are learning and growing, but I'm thrilled to see how adults are learning and growing. And uh, it's been it's been a good ride uh, lately, and we want to keep that going. Um, I want to take a uh, few of the evenings that I have through the summer on Sunday evenings uh, to do uh, just just some gradual work. I, I and I have stuff that I have prepared, and I don't have a cut and dry place to end. I will, I will watch that thing up there, scoreboard up there. But what I'm saying is, um, we're just going to stop where we are tonight, and I'm going to pick it up in a couple weeks. And it's, it's not such a thing either where I'm really worried about you forgetting. Um, by the time I preach next, which might be after we get back from Switzerland in, in the evening, but um, it's stuff that we've been talking about. And Anthony and I. Uh, we're meeting the other day, and, and we were just talking about <clears throat> uh, where we've been over the last couple of years, things that we've been preaching, things that we've been trying to, um, uh, to help instill in the congregation with the help of, of the elders and, and really all who are speaking um, about what, who we are, what we're trying to do, how we go about doing that, and uh, really what we're seeking is a word that most of us are familiar with, and that is restoration. We, we really, we really want to be the church of the New Testament. But that begs a few questions. You know, have you ever had anybody ask you, uh, what denomination are you? you know, most of us have, even, even kids in school. Get at, well, what denomination is your church? You know, just a, just a mumble-jumble sentence right there. It's like, what does that really mean? You know? um, and, and how do you answer that? How do you answer that? Do you, do you thought through that and taking your time to answer that in a way that would actually help someone understand a little bit about the nature of the church. That's really what they want to know. Uh, they want to know a little bit about the church. How do you answer it? You say um, we're, we're non-denominational or undenominational um, and when you say that do, you, do we know what we're saying? 
denominational. I actually uh, explained to somebody the other day who, who asked about, just curious why there are so many churches. One of the things I liked about this church was that on the website it said we want to be Christians only. So why are there so many denominations? And I got to answer that question by talking about that word denomination, which, which means to, to be named down from the original or whole. Named down from the original. D meaning down from, nominate meaning to name. And so when someone asks, what denomination are you? Really what they're asking is, what church are you, uh, what, what named down from the original church are you a part of? That doesn't sit right with me, does it you? That just sticks right here. And uh, I, I like to know how to be able to answer that question. So we might answer something like, well, we, we just want to be the church of the New Testament. You know, we just want to be Christians only. But we might say, I want to be the New Testament church. But which church? When you say that, the New Testament church, what do people understand about that? They, well, there was a church in Corinth. Are you trying to be like that church? I hope not. <laughs> not in every aspect. Um, well, what about the, the church in uh, Colossae? Uh, are you trying to be that church? Well, not entirely. And so even that answer can bog down. So really, it, it begs a question. Who are we trying to be like? Well, we're trying to be like Jesus individually, yes, but as a body, who are we trying to imitate? There, there is a safe answer to that. In my opinion, there is a safe answer to that. And I would set forth from what we've learned through Scripture that the church of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 is a good model for us to seek rest restoration principles from. Um, the church is in its organic stages. You have leaders who have been following Jesus. They're so fresh off of his leadership that they know clearly what is their mission, clearly what is their vision, clearly what is the message to be preached, clearly where they are to be going about preaching who they're going to preach to, uh, how they're to do that. They're very clear on these things. And so the, the first disciples of that church were very clear on those things. And so we read in the, in the scripture reading, and we're going to break down a few of those phrases tonight. Uh, we read that um, those disciples were, in essence, doing things right as a church. They were receiving healthy teaching, sound doctrine, and they were implementing it in a way that was unflawed yet at the time. Now, it doesn't take long to start seeing the work of men come into the church, and you get to chapter 5, and you got a problem with, with the, the Greek widows being neglected, right? That probably didn't happen accidentally on everybody's part. Uh, and so you start getting into that those, those human elements of the church and working out the problems of the church there. But when we, when we want to say we want to be like the New Testament church, a good place to take people, especially our own selves, back to in our minds and in our studies, is to Acts chapter 2 with the church in Jerusalem. And so it's, <clears throat> it's a good way to, to do some checks and balances, church. Um, 
why don't we go through some of these major points together and and I want to you know I'll ask some rhetorical questions I don't mind if you answer out loud I, I don't care this is kind of conversational but let's go through some major points such as who did they understand themselves to be uh, what what were they trying to do why were they doing what did they have in view what was their vision um, how did they know what to say to people that the church grew? What were they telling people ab about Jesus, about the church? And what I would like to do is ask you, how does the church of, in Pickerington fare? How, how, do we, how do we match up? Are we aligned with that? We talk a lot about aligning ourselves personally with Jesus, but when we come together collectively, is there a, is there a measure for the body that we can go to? Because when we, when we talk about wanting to be Christ-like, and I practice that in my life, uh, if I'm successful in a certain area, I'm probably not very successful in another area. I have areas to work on. And when I come together with you, you might be successful in mastering some of those areas of discipline in your life and not others. And what we do is we make up a body of errant people, sinful people, that are trying to work through all these issues but do we have any kind of a model as a body of believers who still are, are trying to discard the remnants of sinful thoughts and behaviors in our lives, who are still trying to, to loose the bonds of sin in our hearts and minds? Do we have any model to follow together as we move collectively and errantly uh, in a certain direction? And I'm proposing to you that we do, but what I'd like to do is, is set these series of lessons up in a way that you're constantly asking, and you're able to give input back to your church leaders, which is welcome, and you're able to give constructive criticism. And you're able to say, I'd like to help make our church more healthy. So I'd like to do that by posing to you to ask, how are we doing? Now that comes with a little bit of discretion because we may make some judgments about how we think we're doing. And actually, actually we, we might be pretty correct about it. Or we might be just wrong about it. You know, I may feel like our church needs to do something in a certain area that's really lacking and that not actually be aware that there is a contingency of our membership that is working in that area to do something or developing something in that area to take care of that need. I just may not know about it. That happens a lot. I find out about things sometimes after, oh, I, I didn't know this group of sisters were taking care of that. That's great, right? So when we do that, we might need to learn a little bit about our church. We might need to say, you know, I, I'm not sure how we're doing over here in the, uh, the missional aspect of, of what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, I think, we should be, I think we should be winning more lost souls. Okay. But what we want to do first is say, well, what are we doing? Uh, maybe I don't know everything that we're doing. And one of the purposes of this is to help communicate that, by the way. And we're also trying to communicate to you in other ways how we're trying to align ourselves as a church with, with the New Testament church, let's say in Jerusalem for, for today's sake, and um, 
how we're actually trying to develop ourselves to become more like that healthy church in the beginning. There are some differences. There are some unfair comparisons. We'll look at those in the future. You know, some, some certain dynamics about that church that, that aren't applicable to us. There are some differences there. For example, briefly, so you know what I mean, um, there were thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps over a million people from out of town for Pentecost who stayed around for a long period of time because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And they stayed with relatives, and they stayed with friends, and they rented hotels, and they, they stayed around so they could go to the temple and worship and learn this thing. Then there was a, a great persecution that arose and drove them out. Well, we, we don't have that same dynamic here day to day, week to week, where there, there are people from, from other countries that are coming here and hanging out with us. So some of those things I would like to compare so that we can see what would be fair comparisons and what would be, I don't want to say unfair comparisons, but let's say uh, not applicable uh, to us today. Um, so I'm studying through this. I think it's important that we look at it. I want to share some things with you so that we can um, uh, do our very, very best to present ourselves before God as workers who need not be ashamed, uh, diligent in his business, and who are focused on the right things, what Jesus might call the weightier matters of the law. We want to be focused on those things without leaving the other things undone. Uh, are we balanced like they were balanced? So let's begin to uh, take a look at a few things. Uh, let's talk first of all about the Jerusalem church's mission. Um, I'm just going like, to a rhetorical question. Let me ask you, would you know where to go to find the church's mission? You know, we don't have right now a mission statement on the wall. Some churches do that. That's okay. If they want to do that and they want to make it really specific, maybe they're trying to achieve something. Maybe they use a scripture, okay? But where is it that Jesus told us what to do as a body of Christ? Would you know? Um, you can go to Matthew chapter 28. Now, he was training people to do this all through his ministry. But when he left, in no uncertain terms, he said, here is the one thing that, that you must do. For, for humanity's sake, for the love of God, you must do this thing. This is, what I, this is what I am calling you to participate with God in. This one work. What would you say that would be? Go and make disciples of all the nations. Teaching them, baptizing them, right? Teaching them. We could add a lot of stuff to that, but when you boil it right down, that is the one thing that we have to do, church. You know, I don't want to blow that, do you? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, lot of uh, uh, commandments that Jesus also said there, teaching them then to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Okay, so there's a plethora of things to learn. He said, but in doing so, here's the central mission. I want you to make disciples. So we've talked about this, haven't we? But by way of reminder, making disciples happens with two bodies of people. Those who have come to Christ and have said, here, here am I. Uh, I lay down my, my life at the foot of the cross. 
I want to be forgiven of my sins, Lord, and I want to serve you as my, as my Lord and Savior in a life of gratitude for taking away my sins and for promising me eternal life and for teaching me things that are healthy and good for my life. I want to lay down my life before you. And so he says to those, which is many of us, he would say to you, command them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So there's a continuation of these things. Now we see this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, for example, with those and namely the 3,000 that were baptized on that single day who continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued why, did they learn everything they needed to know before they were baptized? No, they need to know more things. Now that's Matthew 28, 19 right there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's what Peter told them to do in Acts 2, 38. 3,000 were added to the disciple group that day. Jesus said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles. Well, how long would that go on? What do you think? How long does that need to go on for an individual? It does. You know why? Just We just realize the older we get, the more we don't know. And we, we realize the older we get, the more work we need. Like, wow, there, there's, a, there's a depth to this. Now, I, I don't believe that, that it's the case that you're just never going to do the will of God. You know, the writer of the Hebrew letter in chapter 10 said that, 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 that those Christians had already been persecuted, plundered, and willfully gave up their things to hold on to the name of Christ. And he said that after you've done the will of God, that you wouldn't retreat, that, that you wouldn't shrink back to the destruction of your soul and quit, basically. But it's interesting that he said that since you've done all these things, that after you have done the will of God, what I'm proposing to you is that even though it seems um, like a daunting task to observe all things whatsoever Jesus commanded, first of all, we do that under the umbrella of grace. So it's not a demand of perfection or else. However, the will of God can be learned, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 10 and 17, find out what the will of the Lord is. Do the will of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 10. He told them, after you've done the will of the Lord, don't quit. It's doable, church. You can do the will of the Lord um, and, and be walking in the will of the Lord, even though you don't know everything, because his will for you, again, is not all of a sudden, on the day you commit to, to Christ, that you're going to know everything. His will is that you would walk with him, that you would walk with him. He promised to go with you. So we can know that we're doing the will of God, and the will of God, if you boil it all right down, is boil it down to, to those two words. Make disciples. Make one of yourself. Make one of your brothers and sisters as you offer yourself to them. And then the second part of the disciple making is to what group? Those outside of Christ, right? To introduce them to Christ and the gospel of Christ that they may know him and be partakers with him in the work that he's called 
believers to do. Go and make disciples. And so uh, we see this in uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And the church in Jerusalem picks up that task. Think of it. The disciples, the apostles, excuse me, were doing that work, and the fruit was great that day. Fruit was great that day. There had been planting going on. There had been um, Jesus' life and ministry had either been witnessed by many of them or exemplified in the lives of disciples, including the apostles. There was already this work of making disciples going on, and when Peter presented what this is all about, that this message is 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 God expecting you to respond to what Christ just did? They were they were ready to obey and become disciples, and then they continued on in it. But then you see the Jerusalem church begin to talk to others, and by chapter four and five, you see the number growing more and more and more. Sometime down the road, I'd like to get to the church at Antioch and see what appears to be a pretty mature church with good sound teaching going on, with good leadership in place, and the mindset that they had and the readiness that they had in a growing church, probably a large congregation there in Antioch, to be prepared to go out and make more disciples. It's multiplication. But the mission is clear. We've spent a lot of time on that. Anybody ever asks you, well, what's your church trying to do? What are you about? Share with them, we're about making disciples for Christ. We're about maturing in his teachings and then sharing those teachings with others. However you want to work, you know, there's, no, there's no one way to word that, but that's what we're about. Jerusalem Church was uh, on mission. They were on mission. Um, so rolling into their vision, it includes the mission. Rolling into their vision. Go and make disciples of who? All the nations. All the nations. So all of a sudden, think about this. Let's say that this is the first time that, that, that you've heard that statement. We've, we've heard it in the church over and over and over again, but you're concerned about you and your your relationship with Christ and you want to know what you can do to please God and he says go and make disciples okay who is that it's me it's you but when he says to all the nations that makes a person lift up their eyes and look way way out it's a global vision isn't it it's a global vision so making disciples takes place interpersonally we do that right here in our in our body and in our ministry to one another and our edifying efforts to one another. But when you say to all nations, wow, this uh, seems like a small world, but when you're talking about trying to win all the souls in the world, it seems pretty big again, you know? All of a sudden, that's a, that's a big place. <laughs> and we don't have to do it alone. And that's why I think, however, he started with, do you remember in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? When Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for the power from on high, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in 
Where first? Jerusalem. Right here. Right at home. And then, I want you to think regionally. I want you to think regionally. The areas just to the south, which also encompasses Jerusalem, but, but toward the south, which is Judea. And Samaria. Ooh, there's a word that, that they open their eyebrows up a little higher for again, but should have already learned from Jesus that the Samaritans were part of the target group, and that was the big area up to the north in Palestine that ran up to about the Sea of Galilee. He said, after you begin to make disciples in Jerusalem, I then want you to focus regionally. So you're going to start traveling, and you're going to go out two by two. See, they, they picked up the details of this. You're going to go out regionally in groups. And you're going to establish congregations as you go. So Jerusalem's already a body of believers right there with a place to meet. Actually, a little bit of a plan in place. They're already meeting in the temple. They already have met one another to a large degree. Same as they, they saw each other on a regular basis. We see immediately they were close enough relationally, at least with small groups, to be showing hospitality in their homes and meeting in a plethora of homes around the city. But when they go out, they're going to have to start from scratch. Now, they might start with believers. They might start with Jews. But you're still starting from scratch when you're talking about receiving a new covenant to live under and teaching them how to get together and do life in Christ. So I want you to think regionally. And I want you to think globally because I want you to go out to the end of the earth. That's a Bible teaching that the earth is flat, that there's an end on each side. Eventually it'll fall off, right? To the ends of the earth. I want you to go to, to all the corners of the globe with this message. And you know, that happened in their lifetime. Maybe you're thinking, well, that, that actually hasn't been done yet. The apostles accomplished that goal. In the Galatian letter, I believe it is, Paul says that we have done this might be Philippians. Forgive me on that. I can look if you'd like to know where that's stated. I've got it written down. One of those letters Paul, though, said that we have, the message has gone out into all the world. And do you remember Jude when he said, I'm writing um, to you to contend for the faith that has been once for all delivered to the saints. The faith has been delivered Paul said that it has gone out into all the world. In his lifetime, the regions of the world had the seeds of the gospel planted in it. So it has actually spanned the globe right within the lifetime of the apostles. And they fulfilled Jesus' commandment. So when he said, I want you, apostles, beginning with you guys, you 12 right here, which would become um, 12 with Matthias, right? I want you 12 to go into all the world. Not just start going into the world and let other people finish it. You go. They did that. Now, what would be our Jerusalem? Church, what would be our Jerusalem? I mean, again, just take some time to think about that for a minute. We've got, <coughs> we've got a zip code where we meet. 43147. Right here, Pickering, right? 
that our Jerusalem? Should it be? Or, we've got some questions to answer. Or is it the zip code that you live in? That you're Jerusalem. We're a collective body. We come from different communities or cities, like Jerusalem was a city. But we meet out here nearest Pickerington, and you could argue Baltimore for that matter. Pickerington, Baltimore. So is that our Jerusalem? However you answer that, I mean, you might say, well, it would be Pickering. That'd be a cl- okay. Um, we, could, we could say that that's our Jerusalem. Or we could say that the city you live in, some of you come from Johnstown, and some of you from Asheville, and some from Columbus and, and Worthington. I can think of places all far away. Um, Lancaster, places 20, 30 minutes away. If that's our Jerusalem, then the church what we're saying is we want to encompass this project of starting here at home. So however we define that, you know, the other, uh, last week, um, we had uh, some helpers, Rich and Rob, and um, um, we had uh, Gary and Nicholas and Mary Di, and, and some of us, we just said, you know what, our, our most immediate Jerusalem is the houses we can see right around here. We've delivered some of those mail, mailbox bags to houses right here. So when, we, when we're told to go and make disciples of all the nations, we lift our eyes afar. They are included, but so is home. One of the things um, that, that comes up in discussion a lot, and, and Barry, who is doing work in missions, a great job at that, is very mindful. We're very mindful of the fact that we take a group to Toon, Switzerland, for example. Uh, we support missionaries. In Asia, and uh, it was mentioned this morning, a few of the places where there are uh, people that we, we support. So Europe, Asia, a lot of you support individuals who are doing work from your private finances, I know, in other places. And we're supporting a lot of people in foreign places. Well, it, it seemed like we were missing something, wouldn't it, if that's all we were doing, was meeting here and sending money globally without asking Where's our Jerusalem, right? So that's on the table. Uh, that's something that, that we are going to work on more. We've said that publicly and, and actually have begun to do so. We want to reach the people nearest the church building. And I'll never forget that the Donovan family, which lives nearby here, were driving by to go to another church. And finally, uh, Phil said, we keep driving by this church. <laughs> uh, they look like they're growing. Uh, why don't we try that? Try them out and just see what they're all about. And so uh, the Donovans learn about the gospel and, and, and become members of the body here. And we have a young lady that's 16, year old, 16 years old. She walks from across the corner, catty corner over here to church. Have you met her yet? Did you realize that we have a young lady walking to church? And uh, the walking part's fine. I mean, it's that close that she actually enjoys the walk. Is that a tornado warning? I was letting it go like it was a ringtone, but it's starting to turn tornadic. (laughs) And I looked at the radar earlier. We we just need some water right now, don't we? Boy, I don't know if I just take a sidebar here. I've been watching my radar for over a week. It's all kinds of colors coming across Indiana. It gets to us, it just evaporates. Did you just notice that? 
or splits, goes right around. We need rain. Anyhow, we have a young lady that walks to church here, and, and I'll share something she said that woke me up. It woke me up, even though I'm mindful of it. She said, I've been trying to work up the courage for two years to come over here and talk to somebody. You know what I'm hearing. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm sorry we haven't knocked on your door. First of all, I just want to say that. No, it's okay. I said, I'm glad you feel that way. It's not okay. I said, but you're, you've just reminded me that it's been two years since we even stuck something on your mailbox, which we actually happened to do this year, which would have happened. She had to work up the courage to come over and just by herself and meet people. So, you know, we're focused on missional efforts globally, and sometimes we plan trips regionally. Some of us go and do disaster relief efforts around, and we can miss what is our Jerusalem. And we need to begin in Jerusalem. Maybe that's your community. Some of us live in, in communities where we're in subdivisions, and there are people that you could throw stones and hit their houses. Maybe you have before. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, we're in trouble, Mike. Oh, that's what it is. I, all I can hear is a long... Okay. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Thank you. I actually was concerned for a minute. I'm kind of looking. I see it's dark out there. All right. Anyhow, let's... Um, we've talked about the Jerusalem mission, which was directly given from Christ to the apostles and taught to the Jerusalem church. And we have talked about the vision being from home to the farthest most parts of the earth and the, the, the plan that this church is trying to develop is local, regional, you might say national, global. Church, I want to tip you off to something here. To do this well, even right here at home, we're not going to be able to wait to find money and our budget to pay for mailbox mailings. We're not going to, we don't have enough. We, we budgeted a, a pretty decent amount toward evangelism this year as far as just how many dollars. And, and, and it's, like, it's like the storms coming across on my radar just disappear. I sent Richie and Robbie to a, a subdivision in Pickerington. I guesstimated there would be about 250 houses by satellite view, and I was actually literally counting them. I said, I think 250 will cover this. They came back, so we, we got them out, but I think there's probably 100 more houses right there. And I, I just kind of looked at that map again that I gave them, Pickerington area, churches over here on the map, and it's just this little dot. And I thought, wow. Well, we're chipping away, but I, I want to say something, church. I, I want you to think about preparing to really give yourself to this effort. And that's partly the reason I'm, I'm talking about this today is preparing our minds to not wait until it's in the budget to be able to spend money on materials when we can't easily talk to everybody personally. We do have to use materials sometimes to get word out or to, to, to get something in people's hands. It's going to take a lot more money. It just is. If we put together a plan, we come to you. You've heard it here first. We're going to need to give toward that. But what if we didn't have a dime? 
What if we didn't have a dime? He said, well, I'd really like to reach people, but it's not in our budget. Could we do anything about that still? As long as we've got two feet, we can speak, or we can get on the internet in a lot of different ways, we can still do that. So we want to think about gearing up for that. I want you to think about, go back and read Acts chapter 2 and just look at that from a, a missional, visional perspective and ask, can the church in Pickerington do this? How can we do this? What's it going to take from we and me? What's it going to take? I think there's some exciting times laying ahead for us. I think just ahead of us lies the potential for phenomenal growth in maturity in Christ. But numerically, I don't know if you've noticed, were you here this morning? We've got to start thinking about reaching people, but in all actuality, we've got to start thinking about how we can accommodate growth and think not just about, forgive me for just being blunt, but not just about coming together to worship, enjoying each other's fellowship, having some social interaction and going home. I mean, we've been given golden opportunity in this place with this people by the Lord to do some great work. And I want to call you up to it tonight to just start thinking about it if you haven't already. Maybe you already are. But just start thinking about, I want to be ready when a time comes that I can be called upon to, to do the work of the one thing that we're supposed to be doing. Amen? Yeah, I think we can do that, church. Um, and we're, we're on a path to do that well. So I'm going to leave it there. And... Uh, I think within this uh, short talk, uh, perhaps you've learned uh, that Christ wants you to be a disciple. If you're outside of him, that is, if you have not been washed in the waters of baptism for the remission of your sins, simulating that death that Christ died and the burial that he was buried with and the resurrection that, that he um, rose up from the dead in, that he wants us to do that too spiritually, that you can do that tonight. And for the rest of us, let's be diligent about learning how to observe all things whatsoever he commanded, and the subject matter tonight being one of those things, one of those great things. So Cody, would you lead us in this song as we stand and sing?